Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God, everyone. Welcome to Grace Gospel Worship Center tonight. Uh, online, we do welcome you with us tonight, and we pray that uh, you have enjoyed our worship tonight. Uh, we are on our eighth test, and so as you know, we've been teaching on the nine tests every Christian must face, and we know that the first one was the wilderness test, which is a dry place, a, a place that none of us like to be, but we will all at some point go through a dry test, um, the wilderness Number two was the time test, which is are you patient and waiting on the Lord? Number three is the motivation test. It can be for good or bad. You know, what do you do what you do? Do you do it for good or do you do it for bad in the ministry, out of the ministry? Then there was the failure test, and we will all fail at some point in ministry or in uh, some kind of work or in our job. We may fail, but are we willing to uh, trust the Lord during the, during the failure test? There was a self-will test, and we know that uh, in that lesson we learned that God will not, never override our self-will. And so you have to be willing to wait on the Lord and let his will be done in your life. Number six was the discouragement test, which uh, many of us have been discouraged or by either someone or by not having a prayer answered or not being in a ministry that we would like to be in maybe or not getting a uh, promotion like we would like to get, any all kinds of discouragement things that we could go through. Number seven was the misunderstanding test, which many a times, there are many a times that each and every one will misunderstand someone, misunderstand uh, the way it's being presented, either from the platform or from a friend or from a, a child of God in the church being a brother or a sister, and uh, you have to be willing to wait on the Lord uh, for his comfort, his peace, uh, to, to try to get direction from God in a misunderstanding test. Tonight I want to talk to you about the, the frustration test. Um, as many of you know, uh, we'll read the scripture, but frustration is, is uh, prevalent no matter whether you're saved or not saved, and a lot of these tests will happen to you and you just don't even know they're tests. Uh, if you're not saved, but uh, these are tests that we as Christians have been have gone through, but maybe have not been so successful at achieving and overcoming the test because we did not know maybe that we were in that test. So uh, these are tests that I have been through, uh, many of them, and and as I get to the last one, uh, I'm sure that all of you can agree with me that at some time or some point in your life you have. Uh, went through um, one of these tests. Turn with me, and if you'd stand with me, we welcome you to Grace Gospel Worship Center online tonight. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you for all those that uh, came and supported us at, at um, Brother Norman Waters uh, for his funeral, for Sister Lil and Karen Water. Um, just ask that you would keep them in prayer and Charles Water during this time of great loss. Um, just pray for them, if you would. In 2 Corinthians 11, 16 through 21, the Bible says, I say again, let no man think me a fool. If otherwise, yet as a fool receive me, that I may boast myself a little. That which I speak, I speak 
it not after the Lord, but as if were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many glory after the flesh, I will glory also. For ye suffer fools gladly, seeing ye ourselves are wise. For ye suffer if a man bring you into bondage, if a man devour you, if a man take of you, if a man exalt himself, if a man smite you on the face. Verse 21 says this, I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak. How be it where, wherein soever any is bold. I speak foolishly, I am bold also. In 2 Corinthians 12:1, it says this, It is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And you may be seated in Jesus' name. Um, I thank the Lord for the church. Everything went well here Sunday. You all did a fantastic job. Bishop preached a tremendous message, and uh, we had a tremendous altar call here. God fell in our service at uh, Crossroads Apostolic in White Plains, and we had a powerful move of God there as well. I want to read to you in, uh, out of the Message Bible the very same scripture that we read in the, in the King James. It says this, Let me come back to where I started. And don't hold it against me if I continue to sound a little foolish, or if you'd rather just accept that I am a fool and let me rant a little, a, on a little, a little. 17 and 18 says, I didn't learn this kind of talk from Christ. Oh, no, it's a bad habit I picked up from the three-ring preachers that are so popular these days. Verse 19 says, Since you sit there in the judgment seat observing all these shenanigans, you can afford to humor an occasional fool who happens along. Verse 20 says this, You have such admirable tolerance for impostors who rob your freedom, rip you off, steal you blind, put you down, even slap your face. And in 21 it says, I shouldn't admit it to you, but our stomachs aren't strong enough to tolerate that kind of stuff. Since you admire the uh, egomaniacs of the pulpit so much, remember this is your old friend, the fool, talking. Let me try my hand at it. Verse, chapter 12, verse 1. You forced me to talk this way, and I do it against my better judgment. But now that we're all, now that we're at it, I may as well bring, you, bring up the matter of visions and revelations that God gave me. So I want to, I want to say this. Everyone who tries to accomplish something will face frustrations, okay? If you try anything, if you try to achieve anything, if you try to be a good, if you try to be a child of God, you're going uh, you're gonna to be frustrated. The more effort one gives in trying to accomplish, will, it, it will measure the degree of frustration. The more you try to accomplish something, there, there is going to be greater frustration. Frustration is not the final answer but only a step toward accomplishing your goals. 
And so, and if you do have goals, they must include the Lord and his will. This goes back to, uh, you know, many a times, if I don't let God's will be in my life, there will be frustration in my life. Because more now than ever, I've been praying, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. And if you're willing to say, Lord, not my will, thy will be done, if you're willing to do that, there's not going to be frustration. But if you go, Lord, your will be done, but I'm not waiting on it. I'm now in the time test. I'm impatient, uh, so I'm going to do it my way. Well, then frustration's going to come. Frustration is going to come. Frustration is defined as to bring to nothing, to break, to nullify, to make void, or to disappoint. Listen, you will be disappointed when things don't go your way. But you have to be willing to put your faith and trust in God. I encourage you. I know that some of this teaching may be sound foolish, but I'm telling you I've been through, all, I've been through every one of these tests. I can tell you that. And probably more. And many of us can even probably uh, add more to this, this testing that we go through as a child of God. Frustration, but listen, frustration is an emotion that occurs in situations where one is blocked from reaching a personal goal. The more important the goal, the greater the frustration. The problem is, is we set goals, and there's nothing wrong with having a goal for uh, um, our natural life, our, our carnal life, right? Um, you know, I, I've got goals to hopefully at some point be able to retire if the Lord don't come, right? You should have those kind of goals. I also have goals to try to win souls because I believe the Bible. The Bible says he who wins souls is wise. So I believe that I, I must constantly be setting goals to challenge myself to constantly be on the lookout for a soul, someone to witness to, someone to, um, to teach the word of God to or teach a Bible study to or to talk to about the Lord. Um, but again, frustration is an emotion. And it will occur, it will, your emotion will be affected if your goals are not met. The problem is you have to set goals that are reachable. You have to set goals that are reachable. And uh, frustration is simply caused whenever the results you are experiencing do not seem to fit the effort and action you exerted. Frustration will occur whenever you, your actions are producing less and fewer results than you think they should. Many of us have been, many of us have uh, uh, set goals that are unreachable goals. When I was in, uh, when I was um, in sales, the very first thing they started training and teaching us is to set reachable goals. You don't set goals that are unreachable because if you don't reach them, you get frustrated and you just quit. You just say, what's, what's the use, right? So, uh, you know, as I was a new child of God, I, I, was, I set goals. Goals were, and I still stick to those goals today, read the Word of God every day. I set goals to try to memorize Scripture. I, I haven't conquered that one. I, I, I don't know why. I just, I can remember bits and pieces uh, our bishop can walk around and spit out scripture, verse, chapter, uh, everywhere. He can tell you where it's at, what it's about, and, and I just have not made it there. I just have not achieved that. But my goals are I would like to 
be able to retain. I retained some. I just couldn't tell you where you can find it. But the bottom line is, if you set goals that you can achieve, then that helps you in the process of growing. If you set goals that you cannot achieve, then it frustrates you. Many a times we look at trying to set goals for the earthly man and not the spiritual man. And, and, and this, the world is not my home. I've said it before. I've said it many a times. When we start setting goals, we should have goals for retirement. We should have goals to, to live as long as we're still serving God and, and, you know, and be okay that when God takes us, we're, we're, I'm gone. I'm, I'm happy. I'm just ready to go. But if you set goals that are unachievable on the earth, like having big homes or uh, goals that are unreachable, it's good to start out with something small. If a townhouse is your first house, then start out with a townhouse. Or if apartment is your first, then start out with an apartment. After you start out with an apartment, set your looks on a townhouse. After you set your looks on a townhouse, then set your house, your, your, your goal for a house that is a three-bedroom home uh, on a little small lot because you're going to have to cut the grass, take care of the shrubs and everything else. But you set goals that, you're, that are reachable, and you never try to overstep those goals. You have to have steps to get there. But frustration is simply caused whenever the results you are experiencing do not seem to fit the effort. So when, when you are uh, setting, res when you're looking for the results and your efforts seem greater than what's coming by, it's going to bring frust frustration. Great, you know, your frustration's coming because you're not achieving what you want to achieve at that very moment. Frustration will occur whenever your actions are producing less and fewer results than you think they should. Life is going to always, life is full of frustration. Life is full of frustration. Maybe your paycheck don't go in the bank on the, at the right time, or maybe they, I mean, if you don't have electronic deposit and you have to carry that check in and you have to carry it into the bank and you have to stick it up to the teller, and ask the teller to deposit it, and they go, you know, there'll be a 24-hour period before that money will be in your bank and things like that. There brings frustration because now you don't have, don't have money for groceries that night, right? So, but life is full of frustration. You pull up to the bank or pull up to the gas pump and you stick your card in and, and, and you can't get no gas. Frustration. You go through the checkout line and you've got 30 items there and the teller says, you, you know, you give them the card and it's, says you don't have enough, and you start going, well, let me take an item off. Let me take an item off. How, how about now? No, let me take another item off. Um, frustration, frustration. From the minor irritations of losing your car keys to the major anxieties of continued failure towards a goal, frustration is not a pleasant emotion in any magnitude that you will go through. It, it, it's... It's not pleasant at all to go through these. But what are the sources of frustration? Sources of frustration may be internal or external. Let me tell you that. Internal sources, sources of frustration involve personal deficiencies, such as a lack of confidence in yourself in doing the ministry or in witnessing to somebody or uh, giving somebody a Bible study uh, or be it, be it whatever it is, 
You cannot have the, the deficiency of a lack of confidence. Also, it brings a, a, a fear of social situations that prevent one from reaching a goal. Anytime you have these frustrations, they will affect your personal life. And so you must, must be mindful of this frustration test. That's an internal uh, test. The external causes us, cause us, causes of frustration involve conditions outside the person such as obstacles or a lack of money or other resources. Those are the two differences of how frustration, the sources of frustration, internal and external. So what are the dangers of frustration? Glad you asked. Dangers of frustration are is an emotion that can spiral, cause us to spiral downward in our walk with God, in our, our, our just everyday life, um, uh, our relationships with people. Uh, that's what it does. Frustration problem, frustrating problems are incredibly energy consuming. So you could say frustration is so consuming that it could actually throw me into depression. And I, honestly, um, more now than ever, depression has become a major, major, major um, sickness right now that as people, saved or not saved, are dealing with. And a lot of it has been because of the COVID-19 uh, being locked up and not being able to go out, uh, always wearing a mask. And, you know, as soon as you come out, you're cleaning your hands and you know, disinfecting and, you know, uh, you're doing all these things. And so it, it affects us very much, very much emotionally and creates that spiral and it be, brings on depression. Frustration may lead to a downfall and a de deviation because it wastes resources. So here's what it does. Frustration will cause you to, uh, um, when you have the resources or know what to do, it could could cause you to deviate from what you know to do and distract you and pull you away from the resources that you already have to complete the job or to complete the mission, right? What are the... Uh, frustration can lead to obsession. Obsession, positive or negative, right? Um... When, I, when, when God delivered me of cigarettes, um, nine times out of ten, you're, you have an, it's an obsession. It's, a, it's a, uh, not only an obsession, but it's a um, habit of your hand going to your mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth. And so when you quit a cigarette, when, when you quit cigarettes, your hand to mouth, hand to mouth, you still have to break that habit of hand to mouth. And so you'll go to food. You go to bag of chips. You go to cookies, you go to uh, uh, whatever those things are uh, to keep, you know, that keep that hand-to-mouth, hand-to-mouth. And most people, because of that, they gain weight and they say, well, I shouldn't have quit smoking because I quit smoking. I was thin when I was smoking, uh, you know, but yet you were destroying your lungs and everything else. But the bottom line is you have, God did not allow me I don't know why, but he did not allow me to take the habit of cigarette from hand to mouth and go to food to mouth. He, he, was, he was my deliverer. He was my 
redeemer. He, res he just took all that away from me. So I want to talk to you about the effects of frustration because frustration leads to bad decisions which makes the problem worse. So frustration, you know, you know you shouldn't do something or you know you shouldn't be acting in this way or you shouldn't be uh, entertaining such a thing or such a situation or you shouldn't be involved in this whatever it is. And so because you're frustrated, because you know it's really not what I should be doing, you make bad decisions because you're frustrated. Frustration negates the progress achieved. It negates the progress achieved. Frustration discourages any real advancement. So when, it, when, when, um, when you get frustrated and you have a, um, an obligation or uh, something that you are to achieve, right? Frustration causes you not to be able to achieve that or move past that. You get stuck in that, you get discouraged, you feel like I can't complete this or I can't overcome this, and you get discouraged. Frustration limits our perception. My perception says I can, um, I can clean this sanctuary, I could vacuum it, I could spray it down, disinfect it within an hour and by myself. And then frustration kicks in when I'm still here an hour and 30 minutes later, still vacuuming, I haven't even sprayed down the sanctuary, right? I'm just using the sanctuary as a, um, my perception is I should be able to do that. My perception is, is that when I'm getting ready to go camping, that I can wash my truck, wash my camper in an hour to two hours and be ready to roll. Not no more. It takes longer. The older I get, I'm finding that my perception says I should be able to do it, but frustration kicks in three hours later when I'm still out there washing that camper and haven't even got to the truck yet, right? So that's my perception. That's what we're talking about, perception. Why the frustration test? Glad you asked. Frustration can indicate problems in my character or your character. Frustration reveals the need for patience. <laughs> yeah. Goes right on back to that patient test. Are you willing to wait on the Lord? Are you willing to wait on God to answer you? Are you willing to just keep praying until God answers that question? Frustration reveals if we are submitted unto God. Meaning, am I willing to wait on the Lord and let his will be done? Am I truly submitted to God? If God says no, submission says, I, I hear you, God, and I'm going to be obedient to what you say. If it doesn't line up with your word, Lord, I'm obedient to your word. If what I want to do does not line up with your word, I'm going to do what you tell me to do, God, out of your word. That's being submitted to God and his word. Frustration reveals the need of trust. Trust in who? Not you, but trust in God and his word. Too many people, that comes into the self-will test where you, you go, you know, you tell yourself, I need this, I want it, I'm going to get it. And you go, okay, God, is it your will? 
And in the back of your mind, you know it's not God's will. But you ignore him. You ignore what he's saying in, in the back of your mind. You're ignoring it because I, I'm frustrated. My car is old. This is old. I, my chair, my couch is old. Excuse me. Uh, my couch is old. Um, my dishes are old. My paint job on, on this is old, and I need a new paint job on this house. Or, and you get frustrated, and so then you, you, you make the decision to do something you shouldn't be doing. Frustration reveals the need of humility. One, to trust God, to humble yourself before God, and refresh, ref, uh, frustration reveals the need of God's direction in your life and my life. The question that I would have for you is how to, how to handle frustration. How do you handle frustration? First, we must realize that difficulties are inevitable in life. A lot of people think that marriage cures everything. Gets me out of my mom and dad's house. Um, I don't have to listen to my mom and dad anymore. Um, we, you know, difficulties in life. What are difficulties in life? Difficulties are inevitable. Uh, not having enough paycheck. My paycheck's not large enough. Um, difficulties in life, not having enough, mo enough money to get food, um, difficulties in life, finding a, a, a husband or a wife for the future, date someone that would be actually right for me, um, difficulties in life, um, my physical health, difficulties in life. These are things that actually are real reality. What I'm saying are things that are reality. But Job says this in 14, Job 14.1, As for man, the son, of, the son of woman, his days are short and full of trouble. So as we know and we realize the difficulties are inevitable in life, it is called life. It is called life. I'm sure I could bring, I probably could bring probably three-quarters of the congregation that comes back now up here and let them tell you some type of difficulty they went through, and we would be here for quite a few hours because all of us has come through something because we're all going to go through something because difficulties will, are with us all our life. It won't matter what you do to try to change that difficulty. There will always be difficulties in your life. So it is called life, so deal with it. Seek the face of God. Rely on the Lord. Another one is it's called life, get over it. We need to get over it because difficulties are going to continue to come. Don't whine, don't complain. It only makes matters worse. And those that feel sorry for themselves usually draw others of the same mindset. I've watched people draw, you, draw people into their own sad environment so that they can have someone else to feel sorry with them and feel bad with them, right? The pity party, you know, the pity party. There's a, the, the old, old saying is a pity party. 
If I'm not happy, I don't want nobody to be happy at this moment. I want everybody else to be depressed like I'm depressed. So watch those people. You need to be willing, you need to be willing to go, you know, uh, you could actually teach these tests yourself. You could uh, take the material and just sit down with people. If you find someone saying, I'm frustrated, then pull out the, the test on frustration and deal with it. Talk to them about the, the spirit of frustration. What is the cause of the spirit of frustration? Frustration often leads to depression and a pity party. And God rarely attends a pity party. Matter of fact, he very rarely does he ever attend a pity party. Because we have the power of prayer. We have the power of God's word. And if we have our trust in him and we humble ourselves and let him fix us, then God will prevail. Things will change. So I'd like you to determine the cause of frustration. Is the problem eternal or, I'm sorry, is the problem external or is it internal that you're dealing with? That's the question. Is it my heart issue with God? Or is it my fleshly, external body dealing with something of frustration? And it can, that test can be both spiritual and carnal at the same time. And then you really got to be able to humble yourself and seek the face of God. Why are things not working out? Ask yourself, why are things not working out? Why am I not advancing? Why am I not achieving what goals I've set? Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because you've set God on a shelf over here and you've stepped over here to take on and do take matters into your own hand, and you've left God over here. You said, God, I don't need you right now because you're not, obviously you're not taking me through this frustration that I'm going through, so I'm going to handle it. Well, the worst thing you can do when you, when you do that, if God allows you to humble yourself real quick and put your trust back in him and come back over here and ask him to forgive you for setting him over here and pick him back up, and walk back into your frustration with him and say, okay, God, I've got both external and internal problems going here. I need help, how to work through this. And then, Lord, I need to know why they're not working out the way I want them to work out. What's wrong with me? That's the humility part, right? You're saying, God, what's wrong with me? I obviously am the problem here. I am the common denominator. Everybody wants to say, no, it's the pastor, no, it's the sound booth, no, it's the usher, no, it's the bishop. It's, it's that person's, it's the keyboard player's fault that I'm where I'm at. No, it is your fault. Can anything be done to change the outcome? That's the question. Can anything be changed? Well, here's what I will tell you. If you will humble yourself and trust the Lord and seek his face, God can change situations. Now, I know there's been situations God has not changed, that he chose not to change, i.e., like life, right? We want to see somebody live forever, and God chose not to heal them. 
Those are, some, those are things I can't answer to. But I can tell you if you're trying to find Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright or you're trying to buy a house or you're trying to do this or you're trying to advance into another career or another job, you need to go, okay, God, I trust you right where I'm at. And I'm asking you, if it's your will and you want me to move, uh, uh, advance in the company, or if you want me to go here or go there, or you want me to be in this part of the uh, ministry of the church, and you begin to humble yourself and seek the face of God, God's going to work it out, and the outcome will change. My next question to you is, will more time make a difference? Nine times out of ten, if you wait on the Lord, God will work it out. Number three, I think you need to seek the counsel of God and good pillars in the church. Now, what's a good pillar? Someone that you know seeks the face of God. They don't run, they don't run all over the place. They, they are faithful to the house of God. They're praying every day. You know they have a spiritual walk with God. When they come to church, it's, not a, it, it's about the power of God, the flow of the Holy Ghost. It's... it's Lord, I want your spirit. They're praying for people out in the streets. They're teaching Bible studies. Uh, you know, um, you, need to, you need to seek counsel from people you know are solid in the church. Solid in the church. So seek counsel of God and of people that you can trust in the house of God. Too many people have sought counsel from everywhere. And they, you know, that's who they seek counsel from. And and, you know, nine times out of ten, they have no responsibility if they tell you, give you bad counsel. What do you do? You, you can't go back to them. Where if you seek counsel from either the bishop or I, we have a lot to lose. If we give you bad counsel, you can, you can leave, you can be mad at us, you can talk about us, you can do a lot of things. But if you seek counsel for someone that's not godly, who has no, who has no accountability for your soul. See, I, as a shepherd, a shepherd will give you the best advice that he can give you because he's looking past the situation and looking into your future for your soul. And he's seeking God's direction for what your life could be and what it might be in the future. Anyway, let's talk about the folly of Balaam the talking donkey in Numbers 22, 20, 22 through 20, 35. Verse, uh, verse 22 said, God is mad, angel stands in the way at Balaam. 23, donkey saw the angel and went into the field, folly of, of Balaam again. 24 says, the angel now stands in, narrow, in a narrow path. 25 says, the donkey crushed Balaam's foot in, the, in a wall, 26, angel went further, cannot pass, did not want to let him pass. Number 27 says, donkey saw the angel bows. Balaam was so angry that he could not see the angel. Many of us, God has stepped right into the situation. He has been standing there, and you and I did ne have never even seen God in the situation. Because our mind was not on godly things. It was about what was it for me. God allows a donkey to speak to Balaam. Not surprised. He had just spoken to God. 30, the donkey lets Balaam have it. 
31 said, God opens Balaam's eyes. 32, Balaam, angel to Balaam, why did you do this, Balaam? 34, Balaam, I have sinned. 35, God, go, but only Saul, God said, go, but only Saul, what I only showed him what I, what I showed him. So the lesson of the folly is don't take money over serving God. Don't take money over serving God. Number two for that folly is don't, let, don't waffle in obedience and disobedience. You understand what I'm saying? The Word of God will tell you what you shouldn't do. The man of God will stand here and tell you what, what is not right in God's eyes, as well as God's Word, if you read it, will tell you it's not right in God's eyes. And so we get to the place where we teeter between disobedience and obedience. Do, I want to I be obedient, but man, I, I really like what I'm feeling over here. I, I want to be obedient, but man, I'm really drawn to what I shouldn't do, you know? That's number two. Number three is disobeying God brings a consequence to all of us. Yes. That includes myself. If I disobey God, there will be consequences for my actions. In all of us, there are going to be consequences for our actions. Then we have the folly of King Saul. After the defeat of Nahash and the renewal of the kingship, uh, King Saul dismisses his huge army and only keeps a standing force of 3,000 men. With, the, with his small army, he returns, uh, he turns it west and attacks the Philistines. The violent act stirs up the Philistines and they show up in force with over 300,000 men. Saul and his army flee and hide and many surrender to the Philistines. Saul in his fear and without waiting completely for Samuel steps in front of the Levites and conducts a Levitical sacrifice to gain God's approval. As Saul completes the sacrifice, Samuel arrives instead of receiving God's favor. Hear me. Saul, by ignoring God's law and disobeying Samuel, he receives a judgment from God. So if you disobey God, you're going to re re receive judgment from God. So let me try to define folly for you. A fool in the biblical sense is not necessarily someone with a small intellect. Rather, folly or foolishness refers to someone who lacks the proper fear or respect for God. I'll say that again. A fool in the biblical sense is not necessarily someone with a small intellect. You could be very smart, highly educated. But rather, folly or foolishness refers to someone who lacks the proper fear and respect for God. More now in my life since pandemic hit have I seen this play out in people's lives. The lack for proper fear and proper respect for God and His Word. He or she is therefore prone to go in the wrong direction in life. And if you watch a lot of the Facebook stuff, which is very sad, you see people going in the wrong direction. You see people that have walked away from God. They would tell you they're still serving God. They're still in a truth-preaching church. But I would, I, I, I have to tell you that if you watch their 
Facebook post, you can see where they actually are in their walk with God. God should be first and foremost in all of our lives. He is who brings us through every test that we will go through. Number four, do, do what you can and leave the rest to God. Let me say this. You need to do what you can in the kingdom of God and in serving God and let God take care of the rest. Don't make matters worse. Too many times we get involved and we make matters worse where we should just take it to God. And remember that this frustration too shall pass. Just like the wilderness test shall pass, frustration will pass. And God will bring you through it. How we handle frustration determines who we are and where we are going. Again, how we handle frustration determines who we are and where we're going. If I handle it well, I'm going to say this. I believe that I will walk well with the Lord. If I handle it not well, it's going to do one or two things. It's going to cause me to be disobedient and walk away from God, or, it's going to, or I will be obedient and hum, humble myself and trust the Lord and walk through that test. But if I don't walk through that test, and I do not humble myself, and I do not trust God, I'm going to walk away from God because I've separated myself from His Spirit. So how we handle frustration reveals what? Your maturity and my maturity. How we handle frustration reveals the level to which we can lead, which you can lead, which way you can lead, or which way I can lead. Your ability to lead is equal to with your ability to stand and up in frustration. I don't know any man or any woman that has not been frustrated in the ministry. I'm going to tell you something. Here's an illustration. If you have a church of 100 you will have one person who feels that their calling is to keep you humble. If you have a church of a thousand, you will have ten people who feel that their calling is to keep you humble. So at some point, someone is going to bring frustration into your life to see if you are actually a humble servant. Your promises, your success, and your leadership depends upon you passing the frustration test. It is important for you and I to pass this frustration test. Very important. Uh, you know, I want you to know, I'm going to ask you to pray, though. I do, I do ask, we had an incident in our neighborhood last night. Um, a young man named Jacob. Uh, many of you will know the story because his mother was the woman that was shot in the 7-Eleven down in um, Waldorf area and um, murdered after she had already gave the money to the man. He t went ahead and shot her in the head. This child, his father had already committed suicide prior, six years, late, six, six years earlier, his father committed suicide. So for his mother to now be taken away from him in such a violent act. He is now alone. He has no family. The stepfather puts him out, kicks him out of the house, and the family in my neighborhood took him in. Well, I talked to them, and I'd asked them, could we try to work with him? Could I talk to him? You know, could we, can you make sure we get connected so I can 
he needs a job. I said, well, let me, you know, let me work with him. I'd like to work with him. I'd like to talk to him. I'd like to, you know, um, I'd like to try to do something with him. Well, for whatever reason, um, it never happened, and I kept asking, I kept asking. Um, last night, uh, the, the family that had taken him in, the, um, the wife has went out of town, the husband was in bed, and one daughter is with, with him. And he either took, he took some kind of drug, and normally it's a PCP that makes you very hot and makes you strip down, and, and um, you become very hot, agitated and everything. Well, he went banging on uh, Sister Brittany's door. She called. Me and my wife got up, ran out to the car. By the time we had ran out to the car to go down to her house, he was now, he didn't see me in the dark. He was now coming in my driveway to try to get in our house. Or, wait, excuse me. He was passing our house, but he saw my wife. And immediately once he saw my wife, he started approaching her. And I stayed back in the dark enough so that if, to see what was going to happen. And she said, hey, hey, you need to calm down. Come over here. Come over here. And he looked at her and he used some very foul language. And immediately I jumped out of the dark at him and I came at him. And I said, you're not going to talk to my wife that way. And um, uh, he started running. Well, my wife started running after him. I'm screaming, Tammy, what are you doing? But... Uh, she began to scream, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, sit down in the middle of the road. This young man dropped. I mean, his legs just went out from under him, and he dropped. And it was like, for a moment, it, it was like he was coherent for a moment, and all of a sudden he jibber-jabbered and start, jumped up again and started running. And we're saying, hey, you need to come back here, Jacob. So I'm asking you to pray for a young man named Jacob. Um, this young man uh, is very troubled, and I know that God could heal him. Um, I'm not saying it would be a quick recovery after your dad commits suicide and now your mother's been murdered and now you are the only child alone uh, with no one, no family, and, um, you know, uh, no We'll leave it at that. But my heart goes out to this young man. And I, I would encourage the church to remember the name Jacob. He's 18 years old, and he needs God to deliver him mentally. Um, and the family has now, uh, as we talked late, late up in the hours of the night, his daughter could have been hurt by this guy. Um, not knowing how he would react. They never had seen this side of him, and so this has put fear in their lives uh, and all. And um, so um, we need God to move and intervene in his life, that God would somehow put, my, put our past back together again, that he would remember the lady that said, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, sit down, and he immediately was obedient to the name of Jesus. Um, I believe God can do something with that young man. If, if we get the opportunity to share something with him and share the love of Christ in the gospel. So if you could, stand with me. I pray that uh, you, if you've dealt with frustration, if you've, um, now that's where I've, I'm frustrated with that because I feel like if we could have at some point um, reached this young man that maybe something would be different.
Um, and my frustration comes when I, I don't get that opportunity to witness. I don't know what brings frustration to you, but I have other frustrations, but that is a frustration of mine and not being able to witness to somebody. So anyway, remember this young man. Let's remember the Thompsons, Paulette, uh, Sister Paulette and uh, Greg Thompson. They'll be traveling this week, uh, leaving, I think, tomorrow. They're going to go up to Connecticut. They'll be back on Monday for winter fire. Um, let's pray that God will keep his hand on them and that they'll be protected from COVID and that they would not get COVID while they're traveling or in that meeting. Um, and that no one there would get that, you know, would come down with it. Um, so anyway, look forward to seeing you on Sunday. May the Lord richly bless you. Let's just close out right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we know that each and every one that has been online tonight at some point in their life have dealt with frustration. Maybe with a spouse, maybe with a child, maybe on the job, maybe with physical ailments, oh God, maybe in the ministry, maybe in uh, uh, teaching, God. We just pray that your spirit will move and intervene, Lord, that all of us will begin to trust in you and humble ourselves to hear what thus saith the Lord. I pray a blessing on each and every one that's online tonight, God, and those that are, are listening right now, God, that you would bless them and encourage them and uplift them. I pray that you'll keep them, Lord God, through every test that we've taught thus far. And any other test that I have not even taught on, God, I pray that you uh, keep them and protect them. And Jacob today, God, I pray for Jacob today that you would move and intervene. I bind the spirit of drugs on this young man. I bind the spirit of uh, the evilness that has taken over his life that's causing him to see to not see anything good left. God, we know that he, he is in a very sad and dark place, Lord God, and we pray that you would deliver him, allow some ways us to be able to share the gospel, to, bring the, to be the salt and the light to him, that he might be saved and delivered in Jesus and not die and go to hell, Lord God. And I pray for the body and everyone that's online. May the Lord richly bless them and keep them, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. May the Lord richly bless you. We'll see you here Sunday morning bright and early, 10 o'clock for worship. Look forward to seeing you. God bless.